You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. When Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, they thought, why stop there? Why not create other exciting and unexpected combinations like rainbows and ropes or fruity and gummy or chewy and more chewy? That's why they created fun treats like Sweet Tarts Twisted Rainbow Ropes, Gummies Fruity Splits, and Chewy Fusions. When you dare to combine, it's sure to blow your mind. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. Visit SweetTartsCandy.com to shop now. Auto insurance can all seem the same until it comes time to use it. So don't get stuck paying more for less coverage. Switch to USA Auto Insurance and you could start saving money in no time. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast, Paul. That was loud. Was that loud, Paul? Was that really loud? No, it wasn't. It wasn't loud. You're grimacing. That was good. You're like, wait. No, it was good. Who's that I'm guy? tired, man. That's why I'm grimacing. I'm tired. I've been working on my damn kitchen for two weeks now, months. Well, you picked a good Finish weekend. It. You know what I'm tired of is this BS weather that we have in Ohio. And so, I hate it. as you and I are recording this, it's the 28th. So anybody in Ohio or some wherever, I'm, I'm assuming you you dealt with. 30 some degree temperatures but when this gets released on wednesday you're gonna be looking at like 75 so it's ridiculous thank you bipolar ohio i i've said i'm gonna say it again weather penis that's what we're getting we're getting the full-on weather one this week man it's been awful like it was it was like it was like 25 degrees for high today with like a 30 mile an hour wind it was it was, it was awful i had these beautiful flowers i don't know what they are bloomed in my in my yard today and i i got them for like a discount last year because they were like half dead and i just buried them in the yard <laughs> you planted them beautiful. paul like, you planted them you didn't bury them. them you bury dead things you plant flowers <laughs> they are wilted now they are they are not uh yeah well they're not doing well but i'm doing well i'm i'm leaving for the southern portion of this country on saturday and i can't wait so well, and you picked a good, you had a good thing to do last weekend with your cabinet p- project. Here I was out trying to build like lawn furniture and it was 25 degrees and my hands were freezing and that was uh, no. no bueno, buddy. No, 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 no. no bueno. No. So that's a hard, yeah, that's a hard pass for me. What else? Furniture it, wait. What else you been up to? Well, I went to the Ohio Wildlife, jeez, oh, take two. I went to the Ohio Wildlife Council. There, we got through it. Uh, meeting last week. That was pretty neat. Um, we, we were talking about it on the show a couple times. Um, met some listeners there. Thanks for listening, guys. It was good, good meeting you guys. But I was there to speak out against the reduction uh, in fall hunting. I didn't, I, you know, I we talked to Mark Wiley. We talked to some other people. We, we read some research. There was really 
no biological benefit to, to the reduction. And I'm a spring turkey hunter, man. I'll say it. I love it. We all know that. Um, but I will, I will speak out against uh, a loss of hunting opportunity for literally anything. It doesn't matter. I mean, like I'm not a trapper. I'm, I'm probably like might trap a little bit. If there was, if there was an attack on raccoon trapping or possum trapping, I would speak out against it. Anytime that there's a loss of hunting opportunity in this state or anywhere, I'm going to, I'm going to complain about it. So. Yeah. I think that that's, that was, uh, that was cool. That's a big topic though. And, and perhaps there's times, there's times where you have to manage uh, and, and limit things, but yeah. I think uh, I know the research you did and who you talked to and stuff. So that was uh, that was one of those things that I, I wasn't I, sure that I, I it was d- actually there. Yeah, I dove deep into it, man. I wasn't, you know, I, I'm I'm the type of guy that I'm going to default to the people that are smarter than me, which is literally like the entire world. But you know, when it's when it comes to you know wildlife biologists, I take their I take their because they got their hands on it every day. That's what they they live and breathe. So. Talk to a bunch of them, and uh, every single one will agree there's no biological impact. And we've talked to Mike Tonkovich, there's a and 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 Mark Wiley. There's a lot of social science that goes into managing wildlife. And when I say social science, it's our feelings. That's literally what it is. It's the feelings of hunters and how happy we are with with the hunts that we have. And and so there was some pushback there. So I yeah I spoke spoke out against it. I met uh, some of the people that we've talked to and worked with at the, at the state department or the state of Ohio, the DNR, uh, the last couple of weeks, it was great to meet him, met, met some of the, uh, the district managers and just really, really good, man. It's, it's, I, I feel strongly about the position that the department of wildlife is in the state of Ohio. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate. Um, I mean, just think about like what the guys in, in Washington state are going through months where their own Department of Resource, Natural Resources, Department of Wildlife, and their Wildlife Council banned spring bear hunting. Banned it. I mean, that's insane. Not not because of a of a of a poor population, but because of knee jerk reactions to anti hunter input. And it was uh, we're lucky in the state. So so far, and I they can always be better. Yeah, they can always do better. They can always do more it's for any of us. But yeah, we're we're pretty good. So, well, for me, uh, I purchased, uh, my license and, uh, my Turkey tag. So that was, it's always, uh, something you got to get done. Um, yeah. did a little, took the kids out for a little shed hunting. Um, we're on spring break. So we had a little time to go walk through the woods you know, that's really, I was, uh, I took them to a place I was very comfortable with. I've actually, that was the place where I found my sheds earlier this year. But the ones I found earlier were old sheds, so I was hoping to find the new sheds. But it's you know, I knew we weren't it. We weren't in for the long haul, right? We weren't going to grid search that yeah. like, like I would if I was alone. Uh, but it's fun to take them out and to wander through the woods. Little man took every multi floor rose to the face possible. <laughs> uh, his little his little deer hat like this uh, beanie, it was catching all those. Um, of course, but he got the, he got the tromps around in the mud, so he was pumped about that. But, um, besides that shot the bow a little bit, trying to keep the in tune and then, um, put my red dot on my shotgun. So now I got to pattern that before April. Where'd you get that red dot? Oh, Segway. Segway. Well, I got it from my friends over at. Go wild, go wild, Paul. Yeah, go wild. Do you know what go wild is? 
you know, I've been putting a ton of stuff in my go wild cart because I've been, you know, they're running like sales and I keep getting those damn, uh, like the, the points every time I post something, you know, like you get, you get, you get points when you post something and then you get rewards, which is really nice. And so then it, it entices me to buy stuff that I want and stuff that I need. So, um, I love go wild. We've talked about it a ton on the show, free social media community, and it's like uh, it's like a giant hunting and fishing. They got a ton of fishing stuff on there now. It's like a giant hunting and fishing online retailer mixed with your social media. No censorship, kill shots, harvest, catches, whatever it is. It's in, it's encouraged on Go Wild. Time to go wild.com. Download it. You get a free ten dollars. Find me, Paul Campbell. Find Andrew Months, but he'll never respond to you because he's on the O2 podcast page on on Go Wild. So check that out. Which I did find Brian Hall gave us a shout out there uh, with his stickers. Yeah, thanks, Brian. And uh, but however, I didn't see it right away because I was on the O2 part of it. Uh, so that get better at that. Yeah, I know, dude. I don't have time. I anybody knows me, I hate I social don't. media. It's like the bane of my existence, and I know we do it because we have to. But damn, I hate it. Uh, yeah, for for sure. So what what do we got? What do we got news wise in the state months? Well, let's say our, our news brought to you by Tethered, our friends over at Tethered, uh, saddle hunting experts. And if you're not familiar, uh, TetheredNation.com is where everything's at. These guys are the industry leaders when it comes to saddle saddle hunting. Yeah, if you haven't taken a look at that yet, it's definitely worth it. It's a little bit different than the old classic ladder stand. But I think you, once you get up there and comfortable with everything, hanging from your your harness and your tree tether, everything, 360 degree shots. And of course, tethered has the most lightweight and um, durable equipment out there. So if you need anything to upgrade your system or uh, if you're interested in starting the system, you might go to tethernation.com, take a look there, or you can buy your stuff on Go Wild as well. So as far as news around the state, um, let's see. The 31st of March will be the deadline for the lottery applications for those controlled hunts for the turkey. So I just applied for all of them. There's a couple on there that are mentored Attaboy. hunts. But uh, it's like 3 bucks to enter for each one. And if you don't make it, the 3 bucks goes to conservation. So... Uh, I mean, I'm not, no one's going to make it. I'm convinced that the state doesn't pull anybody. <laughs> it's just a ploy to get $9 on still real it is, to so. me. Damn it. Like, it is still real to you. <laughs> like I said, I complain about it like every time we talk about it. I, I, I've been doing it for years. I've never gotten one. So, well, Paul, you know what I am we doing? Didn't, we didn't win anything at the Kitty, Kitty Carnival a couple weekends ago. We did. No, I, we, we did. You did? Uh, yeah. So we, we won, uh, like, some jump house or like playhouse or something like that. I, I, I don't didn't know, even tell me something my wife is going to do. And she listens. It's funny. She'll listen to the intros. So she's listening. She'll listen to this. And then when we start talking to someone about hunting, she shuts it off. So Ashley, thanks for taking care of her kids. I appreciate you. Yeah. Have fun Hopefully in the bounce house. Are, have fun in the bounce house. But uh, so I'm hoping, see. well, what, I'm hoping my luck comes through on the, on the lotteries. All right. There you go. So I uh, wore mine out. Man, where is I at here? We had a little news from uh, Division of Wildlife talking about Lake Erie still being the walleye capital of the world. Um, 
thanks to some of the conservation and science-based management that they're doing. They're expecting very high walleye fishing numbers. Um, As far as perch goes, it says a western basin basin will still be good. Central and east might be down a little bit, but Paul, you know what this is right here? What is that? Oh, there we go. It's the confirmation for the walleye and fish charter that we're going to do later this summer. You know, I read um, I read an article a couple, I don't know, like last summer that talked about the fish hatch, the walleye hatch in 2018. And it was the number one walleye hatch of all time since they since the biologists have been have been uh, checking this. And it said that, you know, three to four years after that hatch, the walleye will be considered trophy size. That's how long it takes them to get. So the, this article that I read, and this is from like a, like an ODNR biologist fisheries biologist said that we're going into the golden age of walleye fishing in the state of ohio that the next couple of years are going to be the best that we've ever had so that's that's encouraging that's that's a lot of fun so um i'm looking forward to that the only the only news thing that i saw this isn't even related to the state of ohio this is related to turkey hunting which we're getting close man turkey hunting we are less than one month away in the state of ohio Bring it on. Utes, the Utes, the kids, what, two weeks we're going to be hunting? Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Two weeks, three weeks, something like that? I don't even know. Going to be a good time. But this turkey news that I got came out, came from the from the state of Mississippi. There were there were four turkey poachers months over, over a two-year period. There was four main, and 10 people assisted them on some level. But so these guys got caught. They got caught in poaching turkeys in three states. So Kansas and Nebraska, in a three-day period, four guys killed 26 turkeys in one year. They had a little contest between the four of them, and I'm doing air quotes. The winner killed nine turkeys in one day. Nine turkeys. Wait, when was this? This, this was in the and this was the spring of 2019. And so this operation went on for two years. At these and and these are the these are the turkeys. I hope they all got COVID. I, I really do. <laughs> they probably did um this I, and, and these are ones that the, the department of wildlife in the state of mississippi can prove so in the home state home state of mississippi 70 kills in a two-month period in 2019 70 turkeys were killed by four guys in two months that is insane that said that there was i think they were on 14 properties what was the fine, public fine like on that each one was over a hundred thousand dollars and there's some prison time that's coming for them. So yeah, they're, they got, they got absolutely plastered, well, which good. they should. I mean, that's just, yeah. Screw those guys. That's horse. Crap. So yeah. What else we got? So we got uh, something, something fun. We got a little giveaway going on that we're doing with our partners who go wild. Yes. Pay attention um, to the social medias. Yes. So, so here, here's what we're going to do. Join, go wild, follow the O2 podcast tag us in a post on, on go wild. That way we know you joined. And if you're already a member, tag us on a post and say, Hey, I want my free stuff. What he's going to do. We're going to, we're going to get you, get you entered into a, into a drawing that we're doing right now. We've got a brand new, uh, Rocky Ridge Turkey call, which are really nice Turkey calls from go wild. We're going to get some other stuff in there. We got some O2 stuff that we're going to throw in there, but we'll run this until, uh, what, what do you, what do you, what do you say? Monts? You want to do this week and next the week before Turkey season. So we'll run it the 13th 
April 13th will be we'll, we'll, that episode. We'll pull a winner. So you got two weeks, man, two weeks to join go wild, follow the O2 podcast, tag us in a post, say what's up. And we're going to pull a random winner. You're going to get a lot of free, cool, cool stuff. So Turkey, Turkey call, some O2 swag. There's some other stuff we're trying to get together. So if you've already, um, followed us and, or, and stuff, no worries. You're also included. So, but we'll get some posts out there for you to yes. upvote on and, and different things um, there. But it's what did uh, what did they say? It's it's the, got the Go Wild logo on it. It's made of cherry. Is the cherry. Yeah, one? it's a it's a really that those Rocky Ridge calls are really nice. Looks real nice, Clark. Yeah, and it's and of course Go Wild. Their thing, those stickers are sweet. It's got like a like one of those sticker designs inlaid in the call. It's bad, man. It's a bad looking turkey call. So that'll be fun. Two weeks, free stuff. Awesome. Thanks for the reviews on Apple. We see you guys Dude. on Android. I don't have an Android phone, but I'm, I'm hoping they're on there. Appreciate you guys. For real. I was just going to comment on that. I mean, we've had quite a few come through here, so thank you very much. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, Jay Waz, uh, Jay Fletcher, uh, Keller, Rush, LCB Crazy, uh, yeah, TC Brown, man. DeVoe. Yeah, Mitch. Seriously, if you guys hit us up on one of those social media yeah. things, I do have some stickers here I can put in the mail for Josh you. Josh Backy, all you guys, yeah. send us send us a message. Go wild Instagram. Yep, we'll get you get you a sticker too. So uh, appreciate that, guys. Website is www.theo2podcast.com. Uh, don't buy any merchandise on there. That's good salesman right there. But uh, we're working on some new stuff. It's gonna be like it's gonna be better. All right, so we'll 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 hammer you for that when when the time comes. But uh, also yes. follow us on Go Wild at uh, the O2 Podcast, and then Instagram is the Podcast. Twitter is at Ohio Hunt. That's a good one. What else, Paul? We've had some interaction. What are we talking about this week? Who do we got? Who's our who's our who's our special guest? You know the dude is legit. When you're going to talk about turkeys, and his last name is Bird. Right, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was thinking about that, yeah, this Fred. Morning. Yeah, Fred Bird. He is the host of Turkey Call All Access, which is the official NWTF podcast. So this is a this is um, it was a good talk. We we learned a lot about Fred as an individual. Fred's a super interesting guy. Done a ton. We we talked about conservation efforts uh, through the NWTF and some other uh, you know chapters within the organization. You know, history of the wild turkey. Um, you know, some research that's going on. It's just a good talk. Um, we've got uh, really, really appreciated the the time. Um, we've got some really good episodes still coming up. I mean, man, this is like our, our turkey content has been pretty strong, I feel like. I, I've really enjoyed the talk. So so next week we've got, I think it's going to be next week. We, we, we recorded an interview. And uh, how many times did I gag on a mouth call during that interview? Twice? five times i cried during that interview months i cried so, laughing yeah there's some there's some good learning opportunities headed your way but this one man is just a great talk it's 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 uh a, a heavy on the nwtf which is a very important uh conservation organization for wild turkeys here here in this country if you're not a member 35 bucks 35 dollars a year do it you get a magazine and your money goes into uh to the mission of the nwtf conservation of wild turkey and the preservation of our hunting heritage, which we can all appreciate. So, yep. 
it's definitely a cool. What else you got? A little bit more on not how to kill turkeys, not how to call turkeys, kind of the history, right? And and what yeah. the research is like. What's going on? So uh, I, I thought yeah, it was, was really good. interesting. Fred Fred's really cool dude. Don't you're gonna hey dude you're gonna get yourself in trouble playing that that call. You wake up your house. The girls are my girls are right above me in my new office. So. Yeah, that's uh, good stuff, man. Paul might be. Thanks gone for listening. After what's this. that? I said Paul might be gone after this episode. So, oh man, I'm I'm long gone. Yeah. So, so. anyway, we got cool stuff coming up. Stay tuned. But for night tonight, we've got Fred Bird from the NWTF. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we will talk to you next week. See you guys. See ya. So I want to welcome Fred Bird to the show. Fred is the uh, the host of the NWTF's Turkey Call All Access podcast. Fred, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Hell yeah, thanks for having hey, me, guys. Fred. I normally get to do this the other way around, so I'm ready for the, like the quick fire, quick Q and A. Yeah, well, you're you're better at this podcasting thing than oh. than we are. So I've I've been fortunate enough. I've had uh, I've been on two two other podcasts. Is the person being interviewed? Yeah. It was a weird. It was a weird dynamic. Uh, being on that other end because you know normally like I'll ask you know, like a little question and just sit back and shut up and let and right. let the, the person that's more entertaining do all the talking. So today you sir are the entertaining person. Right. So Fred, let's let's just dive in, man. I, I want to talk about you know kind of your role with it with the NWTF and and what the NWTF means not just to you but to all of us uh, in this country. Um, so how how long have you been working with the NWTF? My so this is my second stint, uh, if you will. So I, I was hired on in the beginning of 2015 as a, a regional director in, in the New England states, um, and I did that for almost four years. Uh, took a pause. I had another opportunity come up that was hard to say no to. Uh, reluctantly took that position. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to leave. I, I love the NWTF. I love the people. I love uh, all the folks I work for. It's. I don't mean to be like over the top about it, but I'm consistent in, in this story. And, um, and it's cause it's truth, right? If you lie about something, there's, there's inconsistencies. I, I left the high school and joined the air force in 99 did six years active duty. So I joined before there was wars, you know, we were like eight years removed from uh, the first desert storm. And, um, you know, after six years of active duty, I, I punched. I had the opportunity, a very small window during some tumultuous times, and I got out. That didn't really bother me. I mean, I missed my friends and, and, and folks I, I went overseas with, but it was okay. I was I was good with it. Maybe it was because I didn't have a whole lot of work experience, right, getting out at like uh, 25 years old. So anyway, the point of this is when I left NWTF, like my, I, I shed tears, man. I was sad. I did not want to go, but the opportunity that was presented to me was, was kind of life-changing and I, I couldn't sleep at night, you know, looking at my wife or my kids knowing I, I turned down a, an opportunity like that. So fast forward, um, that, it, that thing didn't pan out. I knew it didn't. It was one of these things like, uh, you hear the cliche, the grass is greener, money doesn't buy you happiness. Um, they're cliches for a reason because there's, there's some life experience behind those. And I had to kind of go through that exercise in my professional life to find out, yeah, there's truth of those and they come from somewhere. Um, and so the money didn't buy, buy happiness. And it was a, it was a miserable time. Um, and ended up leading to a couple 
interim opportunities, COVID hit, the world went upside down and, you know, fast forward about a 10 month window after that. And I'm back with NWTF. So, um, not doing the regional thing. I'm, I'm working out of headquarters here, still in New Hampshire where I live. Um, and in large part, uh, I do a lot of the uh, digital marketing. Um, I manage our econ site. So if you're, you want to get some cool NWTF swag, some lifestyle gear, um, all sorts of cool stuff, you can, you know, I, I manage that storefront and I get the design clothes, which is kind of weird. Never thought I'd be doing that, but people dig it. And, uh, and I host a podcast, a little Turkey podcast. So get to talk to some, some cool folks. Yeah. Good, good deal, man. So that's actually kind of, kind of funny. I, um, the way that I ended up in the NWTF, I was on the website looking for a hat with there's this hat. I buy it every couple of years, wear it out, buy it again. And I just saw like the job link and, and just, uh, and just kind of, kind of fell into this job. So um, I will say, man, that convention in Nashville was insane. I had, I had never been down. Um, I've been a member. It's funny. I looked up my membership uh, and my, my first year as a member was 2007. Is that right? Yeah. 2007 never had been down to Nashville or anywhere else for any of these conventions. So I, I had kind of this idea. I watched a bunch of YouTube, I actually listened to your, like your podcast about, you know, what's coming down the pipeline at the, at the convention. Oh, cool. Is it helpful? It was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and it was insane. And the, the one thing that, that was really, that was really neat, just kind of like from an outsider's perspective, it was very much like a family reunion for everyone, totally. not just for the employees, but for the volunteers, for the exhibitors, for the, for the people that just show up and just drive however many hours to just buy a ticket and get into that show. It was like mm-hmm. a family reunion. It was mm-hmm. one big party and it was, it was really neat to be, to be a part of. Um, so there's definitely like, there's a, there's a family side to the NWTF that, that, that you see, and it's like the banquets. And I, I, I really appreciate that, uh, that, that part of it. So let's talk about what the NWTF does for turkey hunters and turkey hunting specifically. It's a pretty broad question, man. It is a deep one, man. We're gonna we're gonna drill down. <laughs> I mean, and and in the, the the short of it is, uh, without the NWTF, without uh, volunteers and volunteer dollars, uh, working in 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 collaboration with state agencies and federal agencies through the last century, um, you don't have turkeys. Birds are about extrapolated from the, all of the landscape and their traditional and and now non traditional uh, home ranges. And they were, they were, uh, 1920s were left to a small contingency in the, the Southeast and, and some of the Gulf States. Uh, and then like I said, the, the short of it is with, without this organization and, 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 and people coming together for a single cause, you don't have these turkeys on the landscape. And then, you know, then you can go another way with it that you don't have upland habitat restoration and you don't have this, um, this sense of urgency to maintain what we have. Uh, the forests, the, the land in, in the United States, the lower 48 is so fragmented, especially east of the Mississippi that, um, you know, to find contiguous acres of, of habitat in, in wild areas, it's damn near impossible. I mean, out west you have it, but it's all, it's all privately held or BLM land, right? So, you know, they have their own issues out there in the, in the mountainous areas of, of trying to access land and, and do work. So, it's a, it's a hell of a thing. And then, you know, you can, you can sit back and look at the, the wild Turkey restoration project starting back then, you know, when they end market hunting, when they regulate it, when they see that, you know, we have these renewable resources and conservation, not preservation will help 
uh, perpetuate these species and other upland species. And then that, you know, lends itself to the wetlands and um, there's a value system put on it. It's, it's, it's remarkable where we've come in, in, in a hundred years now. I mean, at this point, really, and, and even less when you look at it from the late fifties, mid sixties, when it was really committed to as a, as an idea and, and as a goal, right. When, the, when these folks started getting together in Pennsylvania and looking at how they could, how they could come together with their different expertise and rally a base and really grassroots, uh, grassroot it. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't see my first Turkey around here until I was nine years old. So 1989 and it looked like a damn dinosaur. I said, Holy shit. Well, I was nine. I probably didn't say that, but I hit yeah. my dad. We're on our way to church. I remember it was this little town called Kensington, New Hampshire. And I'm whacking. I'm like, and I'm pointing out the window of the car. So that's, there's a turkey. I've never seen a turkey before. It was phenomenal. And then it was many years till then after. Um, but now they're everywhere to the point that they're a nuisance in some areas, right? It's, it's the single greatest success uh, story we have in, in North America, closely followed by the, the elk, right? Rocky Mountain elk. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it really is. That, that North American model of conservation that people talk about, that's a big, big term, but it's really, it's really neat. It's, it's, it's neat to see how it, it's, it's evolved over the years. So um, one of the things that kind of struck me, um, you know, being down at, uh, at the convention for years, you know, I've been donating, you know, the $35 a year mm -hmm. membership and, and then, and you see some of those conservation efforts that, that go into different, to different states. And we've talked about on this show, the, the state chapter for the NWTF um, helped purchase a 1300 acre piece of property that's all public here in the state nice. of Ohio. And that's all of that was driven by just the average hunter. That's a member of the NWTF. Um, one of the things that really struck me, and this was, this was profound. I think um, if you look at the, 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 the membership of the NWTF and then the, the total Turkey hunters across the state or across <laughs> the country, yeah, less than 10% yeah. of Turkey yeah. hunters are members of the NWTF. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying go join the NWTF. Me, the way I've always been, you know, I've been a member of Ducks Unlimited. I'm a member of Pheasants Forever, National Wild Turkey Federation, a couple other conservation organizations. I feel like if I'm taking the resource, that there's more responsibility for me as a hunter than just buying a tag and a license and then, you know, the windfall profits of, you know, buying camo clothes, you know? So do you think that, that you know, that it's important for people, just, just the average person, man, that goes out, buys a license, kills one turkey a year, maybe every other year. Do you think it's important for that person to be? A yeah, hell yeah, man. Um, and that's not even, this is a, an idea philosophy I've come to. It took some growing because um, it was real easy and, and pr pretty flippant, you know, 20 years ago to say, I buy a hunting license, I'm a conservationist. Well, maybe in the idea back then, and a lot of people were saying that, but it's just not true. Like you're doing the bare minimum and that is in your state or any state you go to visit, you buy your tags, you're paying for, you know, the, the agency uh, needs you're paying for put and take items like pheasant trout, things like that. Like you're really not doing anything for the resource other than maintaining um, your, your state agency. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to call yourself a conservationist, need to have more skin in the game now i don't mind saying it this way i know it kind of come i come across uh, a bit gruff about it but 
I'm protective of it. I'm passionate about it. And, you know, I, me personally, you know, multiple times throughout the year, I'll throw $35 here, throw $35 there, another $70 here at a, at a contest or, you know, just a straight up donation ask because it's important. And when you throw numbers out there, when you're looking at nearly 3 million turkey hunters on the landscape in the, in the lower 48 and, and Hawaii included, and less than 10% of those license holders are members. Like we could be doing so much better to right now. People are, are screaming up and down about Turkey population numbers declining in certain areas of the country. Can you imagine if 3 million people gave $35? I mean, that's some quick friggin' redneck math. It's, it's not very hard. Yeah. Can you imagine what that could do? Never mind having those $35 matched. Right. So when you give your $35 membership and you get your, you get your beautiful magazine every two months, you get some swag that $35 just doesn't pay for that. And then it goes away. That $35 gets put to work by, you know, our professionals on the ground, our biologists, our our agency partners, and then they match that. And then they match that with other organizations. Sometimes your $35 becomes $350. So if, if you're doing on average, we talked before we came on air, the average match is five to one and we got less than 10% buy-in. If you had, if you had 50% buy-in, could you imagine what, you know, a five to one match on $35 is with 1.5 million Turkey hunters, Never mind the full three. Holy shit. We could be doing some stuff. We could be funding. We wouldn't have to put out these, you know, and they're not crazy ass, but you know, we're working very hard and very diligently to come up with creative ways to engage a, a population, a base, uh, to to engage them in, in what what strikes uh, their mind and their heart and that makes them feel compelled to okay yeah I will mark out for this I will contribute something here, um, you know there's there's people that are that are working tirelessly to to recruit and and, and work to find you know play to people's interests in a very organic genuine way, um, but if it just happened naturally if people just got it I mean holy shit yeah it, it it'd be amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful. And that's, that's kind of where we're at is, is, uh, you know, is, is, is an industry. When I say industry, I don't mean the people that work in it, but the people that just partake in it. I mean, yeah. there's, there's so much pressure on the, re- on, on, on the wild animals that, that we go after, whether it be deer, turkey, elk, doesn't matter, pick rabbits. Sure. There's a lot of work that needs to be an energy that needs to be put back into it. So I think it's it's a noble it's a noble cause. It's a noble effort, and I think it's something that that, that people really need to consider, not just the NWTF but any of them. Um, so it's 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 I think it's I think it's very important. I hold multiple memberships in, in different yeah. nonprofits just because I I think it's right. You know, it's just it's just like in your own home, like when you have your in New Hampshire, we have biannual um, rulemaking sessions, right? And always it's, it's trappers, it's uh, houndsmen and bear hunters that are just persecuted every year. They get hit with this onslaught of, of anti-trapping proposals, legislation at all. I don't have beagles. I used to trap. I love trapping, but I don't have time. I, I'm a full-time professional in the National Wild Turkey Federation, you know, working crazy hours, raising two kids. I don't have time to trap. Um, and I don't run beagles, like I said, and, you know, I, I go to defend those people, you know, it's all in, you, you gotta, you gotta have that mentality. It can't be, I don't do it. So I'm not going to put that energy because once they chip away, you know, and they get something, they get a win, they go for another one, they go for another one. And it's the same thing with these, with these memberships. Um, 
and like I said, it's it's not just a magazine and, and a sticker for your for your truck. It's it's so much more. So yeah, throw thirty five bucks at the ducks. Throw thirty five dollars at the deer. It's it's all important, man. Because ultimately, mo- most of us are all doing upland game, upland um, habitat work that benefits all. We're not just planting a stick in the ground going for turkeys only. Like they can't read, so it's all everyone's benefiting. You know, right. Yeah, that's right. Now that's, 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 that's it, man. I mean, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head. So, so let's talk about, so you're nine years old, living in New Hampshire, you see your first turkey ever. When did, did you go out into the woods to hunt a turkey for the first time? 23 years old. 23. I am the adult onset hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Months and I are both, you know, I I didn't start hunting until I was 25. So just anything anything and it just happened to be a wild turkey was the was the first time so it took me three years to kill my first turkey Mm. how how was how was your entrance into the turkey hunting world was it like immediate success or so i mean my i think my my story is comparable to most um i think i i always had an interest in hunting i always wanted to hunt it It just it was natural it just made sense to me Um, but i always just thought we were too poor so i never wanted to in position my family we fished like crazy and i thought that was it i was like i'm never gonna i'm never gonna be able to attain this so i'm not even gonna ask and, and make them feel bad for saying no or had to explain it and it was when i was in the military i was dating a gal from from ohio southeastern ohio and she said brother-in-law wants you to come up for for the gun season which is the end of november there and he wants to take a deer hunting dope i'm in yeah finally let's 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 go ahead and make this happen so we i took leave went up there for a week i I killed a doe and i'm like okay this is it uh that's all i needed i'm I'm in (laughs) so i cut my hunting teeth in southeastern ohio right then i moved back to new hampshire there's like no freaking deer um anyway uh the turkey thing didn't really occur to me until i i tried it when i was in when, when i was in ohio we ended up when i separated i we moved there for a little bit I had no mentors. Uh, YouTube wasn't really a thing back then. Like there was no social media. Like you had uh, old cassette tapes, uh, old VHS tapes, if you could find them, you know, the Primos and Dick Kirby's and um, the Lee's, all this stuff. Like if you could find it, it was there to learn from. I think my first decoy set I bought off eBay was the um, Flambeau Flex, oh, what the hell was it? It was the foamies, man. It was the I love, love. I know exactly. The love that. triangle. And I was like, oh my God, $40. And I spent $40 on these three decoys. And what am I going to do? And I treated them like gold, but it wasn't until I moved back to New Hampshire. I'm getting to the, the answer to your question. Um, 2005, I didn't know what I was doing. I had an idea. I had some calls. I had the, the feather flex love triangle. That's what it was. And I went down into this sand pit where, you know, I did some scouting. I knew there were birds there because of the sand told me so. Um, Some guy had gotten out there before me. I had no idea he was there. And then I saw him. He started waving at me. And I was like, oh, cool, dude. You're like 200 yards over there. So I'm just going to sit right here. Totally cut him off. Set my decoys up. I'm in a ghillie suit. So I'm totally. And I just started out calling him. I thought, you know, you're going to call. I'm going to call. We'll see who wins these birds. And I got the Jakes. There was a three pack. I, at the time, I didn't even know they were Jakes. I just like, oh, I got three turkeys to gobble. And they came over here. Bang. And I killed one. And that dude was so pissed off at me. And I'm like, what's this dude tripping? He's freaking out. Why is he losing his shit? 
And he come up and he's like ready to fight me. And I was like, this is my first turkey, man. I'm so excited. I was like, will you help me take a picture? And he's like, no. And he walked away from me like, what the hell is this dude problem? And then there was another kid at a back corner of this pit who watched the whole thing. on us. There's three of us in here within 300 yards of each other. Oh. All of us clearly not knowing what we're doing. Um, I tell that story with, with some humility and, and experience, you know, it's, you got to start somewhere. And then I learned in that moment, like, okay, I, I, I killed a turkey. Yes. But the quality of the hunt, not so good. It was a negative experience at the end. So I got, I need to learn more. And that, that one hunt propelled me into this deep dive. And, uh, I know I'm, I'm still learning 20 plus years later, I'm still figuring it out, but, uh, I don't, I don't cut people off anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty funny. Um, I had just, just real, real quick kind of personal, personal experience. You know, my, my best friend and I, we were out in the woods, public land in Ohio. And we had, we had those same decoys set up and we see something moving off to our left. And it's, it's a, it's a bird watcher. And this guy comes in and he's like in this, there's like some tall grass, like little brush areas. And he's taking pictures of our decoys and he's sneaking as close as he can get. And he's taking pictures every time, you know, and he, like, he thinks he's sneaking. He's up so good. Yeah. And finally we just stand up like, what are you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> so, so what, what, so like I had kind of the same experience, you know, there was, you just learn by mistakes, you yeah. make mistakes. Um, and it's just like, you progress and, and you're always like, you know, learning, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. So what were some of those like early things that you learned? We're going back some years now, but what were some of those early things that you learned is a, is a new is a new turkey hunter obviously don't cut people off being the yeah man, but. the etiquette man is like the yeah. biggest thing um and i was fortunate i didn't miss a lot of turkeys early on i had my military experience i think lent itself to good marksmanship and understanding you know maximum effective ranges understanding your firearm your loads you know all that uh, but it's the subtle nuances of turkey hunting and uh, turkey decoy placement when to use certain decoys um again more more humility here's a great humble pie story um i thought box calls were for kids and 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 new turkey hunters so at, at some point i devalued box calls and i never carried them and then uh good buddy jason hart uh, founder of nomad came up here to to visit and we hunted new hampshire and maine together on his quest for 49 and we're sitting underneath this pine tree and of all the people in the world, Jason Hart pulls out this beautiful box call and he starts running this box call and he's firing up birds. And I was like, Oh, like, if that dude is, is running box calls in his vest, maybe I need to reevaluate. Maybe I need to stand back and be like, Oh, you're not so cool for school. So there was a, that was another anecdotal one, you know, understanding, um, you know, you don't always know it all. And, and it's not like, a, you know, putting the ego aside, man. That's just, I think that's just a thing everyone's just got to get to. If, if, and it only comes with, with experience and age. You know, every time you go out there, it's um, realizing that you don't likely have a TV show, you don't have sponsors you got to <laughs> deliver for. So, what the hell does it all matter? Like, who are you performing for? Yeah. Your, your Instagram crowd, they don't give a shit about you either, man. <laughs> You're going to post it in two minutes. They've already moved on to, you know, the next girl holding a big bass out of her, you know, back pond or something. They don't care. Yeah. So it, it took 
some time to to put that ego aside and dive into some Tom Kelly books and start reading and re you know centering myself and you know what's what's the value system here. Um, that that seeing Hart pull out a box call and I love telling that story. I love telling him around him because he, he blushes about it. Um, it it really refocused some things for me. You know, it was yeah, important. I, I, had, I had someone tell me years ago that. And I, I don't know where this mentality came from, that it's a mouth call or you suck, you know, and that's right. The, and I can't use a mouth call, never been able to. So I, I started using pod calls and friction calls. And, and I had, I had some old man tell me years ago, he's like a I guarantee a box call has killed more turkeys than any other call type combined. Yeah, probably right. So, so what putt Rom won an award this year. Um, I forget the name of the, I should know it, but I, I forget. Um, but the ROMs, I mean, just uh, turkey legend lore, right? That family. Yeah. And I've hunted. I've been very fortunate enough to uh, to work with Putt professionally, but also share turkey camp with him in some of the hills of Pennsylvania. And that dude, always a box call. And he, he'll he just come around and he just, <laughs> he always has it in his hand. He just, just barely moves it, just squeaks it. And that's all he ever does. He's like, Fred, that's all you need to do. It's like, take them fucking decoys, throw them in the back of your truck. <laughs> like, why do you even have them? <laughs> he's like, he's like, it's cheating. You don't need them plastic birds. He's like, it's all you need right here. But I say that because he will say that, but he's he's not like breaking our stones about it. He, yeah. he says that he knows how we enjoy the hunt. And that's what's cool, right? So someone that's as true blue old school as, as, as a ROM, you know, but he recognizes how we have fun with it, but he'll also remind you, like, we were doing this way before you came along with your plastic birds, and, and it can be done. But, again, he recognizes, you know, people enjoy the hunt a different way. And sometimes I do like going out there. Sometimes carrying them them birds is, is, is arduous, man, especially later in the season when it's hot and sweaty. I don't want to carry them things. I don't even want to carry the foam ones. Yeah, ex- exactly. Let the Colin do it for you. Yeah, I, I – I'm always amazed at, at guys like Pat Rom that some guys just have it, man. They have yeah. it in the, mm-hmm. in the turkey woods. And like like you just said, Putt, all you need is a little little scratch on the box call. That's all you need. And that dude's going to kill a turkey every year. Every time. And just make it look like the easiest thing in the world. And I, I that's what I strive to be. I want to be that guy that just you, just you just walk into the woods and you're like, that's where I need to go. That turkey's ready to dance. We're going to sit on this tree. We're going to hide behind this book. And, and it just, and it's just like perfect. And, and guys like that, I man, they have, they have amazed me and they make me so damn jealous. When you get to hunt though, I mean that, I think for me, that's what kicked my, my turkey hunting prowess and career into overdrive, especially when I was hired on to NWTF. Cause obviously we get the opportunity to be around a lot of awesome folks. So when you're, you know, taking volunteers out hunting or just being with them in, in that element, you pick up on things. You're learning. You're not there as like a mentor, mentoree kind of thing. It's just you're just there with friends yeah. and you you share stuff or you pick up on stuff. Or, oh, he's running that that way. Or, you know, he saw something in the, the ground that way. And, you know, I, I made a mental note of it. It's made me a, a way better turkey hunting, sharing those experiences. And I think that's what's unique about turkey hunters. You You alluded to it earlier about, you know, the family reunion and this this weirdness that, that, you know, the NWTF has about the people that are involved in it is like, we're so close. Um, the same thing with our hunts. Like, I know a lot of people aren't going to be like, Hey man, just go ahead and open that cattle gate. You can go in on my, my, my prize property, but we're sharing information constantly. 
we're always looking to help each other. Like I've not ever run into someone and asked them a question about a strategy or uh, a way to run a call. And someone told me, to, you know, pound sand. I've never had that. We're yeah. always willing to share information. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in 2020, obviously we, everyone, we went through that big COVID boom and, and I hunt a lot of public land here in Ohio and I'd run into people, you know, young, young guys, uh, you know, that, that had never hunted turkeys in their life. They just strictly deer hunt. And yeah, there, there was, you know, you, you would hear them call and you'd, you'd like, you'd, you'd see the mistakes. And it's like, Hey man, come here. I, I want to help you out. I want you to enjoy this, the hunting that I love. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, how, how I've had success and just, you just help them out, man. And, and, and you get deer hunters. I'm like, I'm not telling you shit. Like this is, no, <laughs> it's like close no. lips. So no, um, I, I, it's, it's, it's funny, man. I, and I don't know who to attribute this, this, this quote to, but there are those that hunt turkeys and then there are turkey hunters. I, I was just thinking it that quote this morning. Yeah, it is a clear, and, and you know what, man, I am a turkey hunter and I know you're a turkey hunter months. You're going to become one. Um, I'm just, I'm listening and I'm taking this all in right now. So, <laughs> but, and, and it's just like, I, I think about it 365 days a year. Yeah. I mean, Christmas morning, I'm thinking about spring turkey hunting. You know, playing with that's the like this time of year. Right. And I don't, and when I say this, I don't mean to sound negative. It's, but it's, again, it's this, this ownership and the, the, this excitement and pride I feel about, about this, this bird and pursuing it. And the people that I share that with this time of year, especially on social media, everyone's like about that time, about that time. It's like, Oh, all of a sudden everyone's a freaking Turkey hunter again. Yeah. You're damn right. You're frauds. Every one of you, most of you, you're <laughs> enjoy it, have fun, but... go out there in three days, kill your two-year-old and go back to your deer stand, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I obsess over it. And, uh, I, I always, I always like when I, when I find those, those kindred spirits, because I feel like you talk to people that aren't you know, like, they enjoy it, but they're not going to go, you know, the, I, it, at one point on, on a hunt, just real quick, uh, I was 17 miles from my truck, 17 miles. And, you know, granted, I was like 26 and I'm 40 now. So I, I probably couldn't do that now. But, um, you know, if it's just like I, I I think it's Tom Kelly talked about like the gates of hell, you know. Yeah. yeah. And if there if there was a bird goblin, like, you know, the, a turkey hunter is going to walk around the edge of hell and until exactly they right. fall in. And, <laughs> and they're going to go after. That's exactly how I feel. So sign yeah. me up, man. One yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, we'll, we'll mentioned Tom Kelly and, and I, I discovered, and, and I'm ashamed to say this as a turkey hunter, but I, I discovered Tom Kelly and his books and just kind of who he is as a man, like two or three years ago. Yeah. And if you've never heard of him, Tom Kelly, you can Google him. He's, he's got a, a really nice website, but he is just, he's an author. Talk a little bit about, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've read some of his books. I, Tenth I, Legion, I haven't, I haven't had time to dive into the rest of it. Okay. Well, let's right. talk about I, it's because that's I just got that book like two or three weeks ago, and it's sitting on my shelf. I can see it. And it's really neat. Inside, I opened it up, and it's signed Tom Kelly, and then he wrote a little note in there, and there's a turkey feather. Yeah. There, and it says I don't. So I'm sure he does that for everyone. But it was like, I hope this gives you a little luck next it, year. So it was a bummer. COVID kept him away this year for our first time being back because he was supposed to be uh, in Turkey Shop. Okay. Uh, at convention, talking to folks, I learned more from him than, than reading his pages, which I, I try to at least go through that book at least once before season starts. And it's a uh, 10th Legion is, you know, it's this, it's all this, it's written from the, the perspective of a fella in the deep South 
Um, Tom Kelly doesn't have much respect for Rio <laughs> turkeys. And, um, you know, it, he's just, a, he's just got this lifetime worth of, 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 of uh, stories and experience. I talked to him more about uh, paper mill logging in Maine because we had that, you know, geographical connection. I'm, I'm up here and, you know, in his, in his, um, with his accent from where he's at there in, in Mississippi, which is really interesting to hear him a handful of years ago, tell me about, uh, you know, some surly times up in the great North woods of Maine and, and, and cutting trees down. And I, I believe he talks about it in some of his writings, but, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's Turkey. It's, um, what am I trying to say? You should read the book right now. I'm reading a Roger Latham book. Roger Latham put a, a book out that we have a, an award name for him. Locally volunteers can win the Roger Latham award and then they go to national and compete for it at a national level. But again, one of the same kind of thing, like always heard the name. Um, I never knew much about Roger Latham, who he was, what his resume was, why he was so important, why a, an award was named after him and why it's one of the most sought after, um, honors to be bestowed upon our volunteer ranks. So one day I was just like, I got to research this myself. And I start getting to the dude's resume and I find out he's an author. Now, now I'm on Amazon. Okay. I got to find a book. Got to find a book. Boom. Found it. Second edition, 1975 print. I get, I get Roger Latham. So you're looking at a book that's 47 years old at this point, And all the information is still very relevant, just like 10th Legion. And what's great about that, they're, they're timeless. They're classic. Like, when it comes to these birds and the obsession and the chase and getting after them, like it doesn't change some of the technology, obviously the camo, the, some of the gear, but what drives you, what, what makes you, you know, we joke, we, we lose all of our sleep to chase this bird. And then we can't wait to, you know, lose that sleep again. And it's there. Um, but to the, your point about not, not learning about Tom Kelly until a couple of years ago, I, I think it's it's a great point that you bring up because as a community, we've done a terrible job of telling our history, of of talking about our forefathers, our founding fathers, if you will, of of wild turkey restoration, um, uh, those who were there on the on the front lines of trap and transfer. You know what all it took. We are we are either in squarely in the middle of it or we're on the backside of our turkey golden age kids right now that are 30 years old and under they have no idea what it's like to not have turkeys it's just very commonplace they're like i said earlier i mean they're they're a nuisance animal in some spots so we need to continue to tell this story know who these characters are the tom kelly's roger latham's Ben Rogers, Lee, Dick Kirby's, you know, all these people and why, you know, call makers, uh, biologists, people that, like I said, were on the front lines of, of putting turkeys in cardboard boxes and then, and then open them up in another forest thousands of miles away. And what, what all went into that? Um, cause, cause without it, there's no value. Otherwise you're just out there thumping birds. And I think, I think the purist wants to have that appreciation and, and know our history. You look at anyone that's good at something, in their respective fields, uh, you know, I, I think of like a, a wrestler, right? A WWE wrestler, you know, all the great wrestlers, they know all that lineage all the way back to the, the, when the days were broken up and the, you know, the different um, territories in the country and, you know, how that all came together before as one big conglomerate uh, baseball guys, you know, all the great baseball players, they know all their history. Turkey hunters too. You need to know that history, know where you come from 
to have a, an understanding and a, and a well-rounded um, respect and appreciation for, for what you have. No, I, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with, with, with that statement. And, and like you said, is, is a, uh, is a purist, if you will. Um, I am fascinated by those, you know, those guys that really kind of like kickstarted, you know, the hunting that, that, that we know. And then the guys like Duff Holbrook that put in the work down in South Carolina to, to trap Turkey and release it somewhere else and mm. kind of kickstarted that conservation, uh, you know, method. Uh, I'm we, as, as Turkey hunters today, we have, you know, all the respect and all the thanks. I mean, goes to those, to those individuals that, that put forth that. So, okay. So um, Fred, Fred and Paul, this is, I'm just, listening and, and taking this from the outside perspective. So like you, I didn't grow up hunting. I didn't, I started early twenties. I was infatuated with the deer idea, um, in Ohio, that being it's a huge part of it. Sure. I don't know when I saw Turkey uh, in the, in the wild for the first time. I mean, it was probably five or six years ago. Um, and, and you talk about the history and all that kind of stuff. Really? I mean, I'm a hundred percent honest. Like, when I met Paul uh, was when I kind of got really started in the Turkey thing. Like I just didn't realize, I guess I didn't realize it existed. I didn't exi- realize mm-hmm. that it was such a big thing. I didn't realize that the NWTF was, there is like for somebody who even considered himself somewhat into this was not, I wasn't aware of the, of the history. I still don't know all of it, but it, even, I mean that the idea about the market hunting and how you know a lot of species were really bottomed out there in the in the early nineteen hundreds, but then everything has come back. Like we we understand that, but I don't think I don't know if it and I don't know where you get that message out uh, in today's day and age to to explain to some of the people that are thirty and under or you know like myself that just weren't ever in tune with all that. I didn't have my dad didn't hunt. My grandfather died when I was. Um, pretty young. So I didn't have him to explain it to me. So it was one of those things like you said earlier, YouTube wasn't around. Anything I've learned has been in the last really probably five years, Mm. four or five years. So I don't know. It's just uh, finding some outlet to and I, I know I'm talking to the wrong guys because they'll be like, well, just go to org, right? You would be I know some people that are that you know if they're MWTF members or they're they're turkey wonks would be surprised to hear this, but you can go to many parts of this country. You can go to parts of my my county in New Hampshire, and if you said, "Ah, oh, you know, have you heard about the NWTF?" They're like, oh, "What the hell are you talking about?" They think you're saying National What the Fuck Society, right. you know? Like, I <laughs> know we're about. There's so many people that have no idea the, the organization itself even exists. Yeah. You know, and that's that that's that 80 percent right in the middle that they're just going about their day you know granddad hunted uncle hunted but it was never something i did so why would they know my goal with our podcast is to tell those stories to find those <clears throat> those long lost nuggets right and and bring them back to the fore and keep these people alive even if they're dead and tell their stories because so many of them are gone we'll never get them back um Bob Erickson is one, you know, as far as Eastern Turkey restoration out of uh, New Jersey, longtime uh, turkey biologist for NWTF. That man's fascinating to listen to him go through, you know, sleeping in the back of a truck. You know, there's there's great black and white photos out there of Bob. He looks like a like an old hippie, well, a young hippie at the time. And it was all about turkeys. And it would be weeks and days and months just living out of the back of the truck. 
But if we don't tell these stories, it eventually our history dies. And any anybody without a history, you don't have much. What do you think in today's today's world, where if it's if it's not a TikTok video, people just check out? What do you think the best way to tell that story is? I'm being proved. I'm. I have been proving that with the podcast, and I think you guys will appreciate this too. People want the information. It's just how you present it to them. Now I'm no pro at this. I'm you know a lot of the time I'm flying by the seat of my pants just telling a good story because I like to tell stories, right? Um, I like to talk. I like to talk to interesting people. Um, People will show up. People will engage in this long-form format if the information is good and if it's relevant to them. If they're getting something out of it, it's, it's it's a barter and trade system. You're giving me your time. You're downloading my my information and I'm giving you something back and you're taking knowledge away. Well, not me particularly, but the guest is right. Um, they show up, man, because I look at my numbers and I can't believe the numbers we have sometimes, you know, for what it is, it's a very niche market. I mean, it's, and now you look at the, the podcasting space, there's two plus million podcasts out there in the world. People just waxing about anything and anyone gets a platform. Uh, the hunting space increasingly be, has become crowded uh, when it comes to, to digital media like this. Um, it's accessible. I think that's really cool because it gives, it does allow us to discover some really good voices in the space and, and bring up new thought provoking leaders, young leadership. And it's not always leaning on the same old guard. And, and we need to, because eventually biology catches up with all of us. Um, and if we're not getting younger, if we're not entertaining new new ideas or philosophies or ways to, to look at our world uh we're doomed to fail and it, and it goes away and if there's no value on that uh, go back to your rulemaking people and the anti-folks bringing up legislation eventually it goes away on the books and then you never get it back yeah because those people know how to tell a story right cute cuddly animals and some monster coming in oh my god they tell it and how they want it told yeah they hammer that story uh to death and, uh, Disney been doing it since Snow White, man. Yeah, Bambi, damn right. Smokes. And you know, I've I've been I've been saying that the last couple of months since we've had this platform, and and to the people that do listen to it, you guys know I love you and appreciate you. Um, but it's it's all how how we hunters, anglers, how we tell our story to the to the general public, and all of that matters, like it or not. You know, you can say, well, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to post whatever I want. There's some responsibility there because if you're telling the story the wrong way, mm-hmm. the the loudest 10% always, and, and that's the anti-hunters, they mm-hmm. always are going to win. And, 100%. And that's that's a that's a very, very good statement. So, Hey, Fred, can you tell us a little bit more about what the dollars, we, we were talking a lot earlier about the $35 membership and then it goes on, you know, multipliers and all that kind of stuff. But what does that, what does that money buy? And I, it's a stupid question, but like, um, you know, is it just so you guys can have a huge convention every year or like hmm. where, where is the money actually going? I, cause I sit here and it's like, we're going to build habitat. Okay. So are you like paying contractors to go out and plant trees and you're buying the trees or like, like what, what are some ideas lobbying? What kind of stuff? So it, it really depends on what the project is and how the money's earmarked, right? Sometimes we get big gifts, uh, you know, Paul can speak to this in his line of work where people will um, leave legacy uh, donations, but it's restricted money, right? So they only allocate that, that, that those gifts, that money can only be used in a certain way. So it, really, this question is better suited for one of our, our biologists, our lead biologists, because they could really deep dive it. But 
Um, the short and sweet of it is if you go on to, uh, what is it? there's some nonprofit watchdogs out there. You find out that just about 87 cents on every dollar we raise is put right back into the mission. We have very little overhead and it's only that number used to be 90 cents on every dollar, but COVID being what it was and having to keep the, the ship afloat, if you will, kind of changed that. So if we're a completely honest organization and, and transparent, so when we tell you that that number changed, it changed. Um, so we're not out there saying 90 cents on every dollar. It's 80, I don't know, 86.8 cents or something like it's close to 87 cents. And I suspect that number as as the, the, the world maintains um, a post-COVID apocalyptic, whatever the hell we're in, <laughs> if we can maintain some normalcy for like 18 to 24 months, for us personally, uh, that number I think will, will tick back up. You know, we, we try to operate lean, mean, you know, we're nonprofit. I know sometimes you see some crazy shit on the internet about NWTF fat cats and all this. Like, I'm here to tell you, hand to God, that there are no NWTF fat cats. I've never um, uh, in the in the for-profit space uh you could you could juxtapose uh paul's position my position and, and see what those those salaries are bring i'm here to tell you uh we're not close <laughs> so this is a, a labor of love and, and that's that's not a put on right so um the point to that is we operate very leanly and many of us wear many hats to to pick each other up and complete the mission so that we can maintain uh, that that close to 90, 90 cents, 87 cents on the dollar going back into into the ground. So basically, when when the money is raised at the local level, like in there in Ohio, you guys have a a Columbus banquet or a Columbus area proper banquet. Um, 80 percent of that money will go back to the national mission. That's so the one one year. It's a national fundraiser. Right. And that's what's cool about the NWTF. I think we're the only nonprofit in our space that does a split. So 20% stays local. Of that 20%, 2.5% stays with the local chapter. No one else in the space does that. They take it all to the mothership. Um, so right there, you know, money is staying locally. Um, and then, you know, the, the state chapters get to vote by, by board and, and Superfund committees. Uh, Superfund is where the money goes. That's this, this pot and they get to allocate where those funds go. So it's a lot of it is volunteer driven, right? Some of the bigger projects, I mean, our board approves the hiring of, of professionals and people that come in and be part of our, our, our full-time staff team. Um, and they, they trust those folks to, to make good calls on our behalf and on behalf of the volunteers and members and their dollars. Um, so again, in, a, in that way, it's all volunteer driven of how those, those, those funds are, are spent, how they're allocated and what we spend money on and, and, and the end goal. Yeah. And I, and I can say just the research that the NWTF has done in the last 50 years is astounding. Yeah. And talk about not telling a story. Well, this organization yeah. I'm, I'm starting to learn won't spike the football uh, and they probably should every once in a while. Yeah. They have done a tremendous amount to keep wild turkey populations growing and yeah there's some declines and there's a lot there's a lot of unanswered questions that people don't know but the nwtf's been leading that front that battle for decades and i'm yeah. proud to be part of that organization so uh fred we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up what do you got planned for this uh for this spring podcast and hunting yeah so they the two run uh tandem at this point in my life so the where i go the podcast shall go uh, i believe we're going to montana 
we'll do Pennsylvania uh, again because I'm a, I'm a sucker for punishment and I need to I need to check Pennsylvania out. This will be years uh, the seventh time I'm hunting Pennsylvania and I pray to God that this happens. Um, never go back after that. I will never go back. I, I've already said it. Like once this is done, I'm never coming back. People in Pennsylvania can have it. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll see you on a black bear hunt. I, I am interested to try that down there. Cause I black bears uh, hold a, a close second in my heart to, to turkeys. Um, but I think Georgia uh, at convention, um, we did a cool uh, on stage live podcast with uh, Darrell and Ashley Smith, uh, the founders of minority outdoor Alliance. Those two so, are awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Just good people down to earth folks doing some really good work. Um, doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as, reintroducing uh, what what it is we do to a population of people that traditionally always have done it. And it's only in the last, I don't know, 60 to 80 years that they didn't um, doing great work. So I'm looking forward to hooking up with Darrell and uh, um, him showing me his quail ground in, in Georgia and then hunting turkeys together and cutting another podcast. And then, uh, you know, seeing where else we got a lot of stuff going on uh, professionally uh that i'll be covering so it's it's a busy spring for sure good deal man i'm gonna try to make make a trip to new hampshire what's the name of, what's the name of the podcast fred and any uh social media stuff to find find yet yeah so all the social you can go to our regular nwtf social sites we're we're on facebook um instagram twitter tiktok linkedin <laughs> we're on linkedin uh, all the all the major social platforms, uh, YouTube as well. We got a, a pretty boisterous uh, channel, uh, YouTube channel full of content there. And then there's a sub channel for the uh, for the podcast, Turkey Call All Access Podcast. Um, and we're starting to populate that with a lot of like uh, outtakes, bloopers, shorts, just quick um, video content as well. So cool, you can find us pretty much everywhere. Good deal. Fred, it's been good, man. It's been a good talk. I yeah, for it. sure. It can go. It can always go longer. We'll yeah. just know we want to come to New Hampshire. Oh, absolutely. I'll take you up on that. Cool, man. Well, Thank thanks you. for having me on, guys. Continued success. And uh, here's here's to a hell of a spring. Appreciate you. Sir. Thanks, Fred. Andrew, Paul, thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye.